0: Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 403. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast. This week's interview, the last for 2020, is with George Brontaine. George is the founder and CEO of Membrane, the sales enablement CRM that makes it easy to execute your sales strategy. A lifelong entrepreneur with 20 years of experience in the software space and a passion for sales and marketing with the life motto, don't settle for mainstream. George is always looking for new ways to achieve improved business results using innovative software, skills and processes. George is also the author of the book, Stop Killing Deals. In this conversation with George, we discuss the role and importance of storytelling and purpose in sales, the power of beauty and enjoyment and many insights as to how to improve your sales function and CRM processes. You'll find all the show notes on minterdial.com. Please consider to drop in your rating and review, and don't forget to subscribe to catch all the future episodes if you like this one. Now for the show. George Brontein, great to have you on the show. You are piped in from just outside of Stockholm, Sweden. Is
1: that not right? That is correct. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm in Nakka, which is a bit east of Stockholm. Yeah, in my son's room here as
0: well. <laughs> mm, lovely. Well, the good news is school school is open. Yes. Um, so, George, uh, the fact that you're in Sweden is, is of course, of great interest to me. Um, and you are running a company based in, in Sweden. Um, and you've written a book, which I had the pleasure to listen to. I did it through audio. Stop. Killing Deals, which you published in March 2020. Yeah. So, I'd like to hear how launching a book in the middle of a pandemic in Sweden is and how that might be different than doing it in another country.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Good question. And, and, I, and also stop killing uh, deals was an interesting choice of words, which was also when I when I launched this, like you say, in the middle of the pandemic was should I? Right. Uh, should I change the title? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but I didn't. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting ride. I uh, one thing with the title that was negative, though, is that uh, Google sometimes blocks ads. If you have uh, words killing. like killing in mm-hmm. it, uh, mm. I didn't know about that, so that's been kind of an, uh, a bad experience. But otherwise, it's been good. I can't compare how it is to launch a book in Sweden compared to <laughs> any other region because I've only tried it here. But but it's really not re- released in Sweden. I mean, it's 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 Amazon, right? Of so course, uh, they, they own this publishing space. Um, the, the, what I've learned—it's been a very, very interesting. It's my first book, so I've learned mm-hmm. a lot. Congrats! Uh, the, it's, a, it's a book for sales leaders primarily, but also salespeople and, and, and CEOs and such. And everybody wanted it as an audiobook. Mm. Uh, I didn't realize that, so I, I, I published it as a book, and uh, then everyone was asking about the audiobook. So the audiobook you you listen to—I uh, did that all by myself, uh, which was really interesting when you're reading your own book oh god yes Uh, it's like you do all the it's it's so hard to to Mm. read a book if uh, you haven't sort of read it out loud uh, professionally it's not Mm -hmm. normally something you do so yeah it's been a fun experience i don't i think launching it was a good move uh people have had time to read uh Mm. maybe more than than usual so i think um I, I can't complain it, it's been a it's been a good uh, good experience so far
0: well my implicit question was are you getting to do book tour book talks ah that's okay. what you usually do when you write a book. You get to go out right. and you sign books, and you have people, and you hug them, and you oh, talk okay, to them. Okay, okay, okay.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: in Sweden, of course, getting close to people anyway is we don't a normally do that kind of thing,
1: right? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm an introvert, so I I hadn't even considered doing a physical book tour, so that's why I didn't uh, understand what we were saying but <laughs> between the lines there.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, the, you know, of course, the lines being that Sweden has sort of stand has a has another flag that's flying in this Uh, pandemic uh, and and, uh, personally I salute the way the Swedes have gone around it so um, but I'm not gonna get into a political discussion so I love George when when you began the book one of the things I really loved was that you started by sort of going with a mea culpa am I the problem Uh and and I thought that was a really interesting way to start because it, it sort of brought me into you as a person naturally is also helping that you were reading it but to talk us through that idea because i think it's a really big idea for leaders to be able to be aware of how they know and when they become the problem and then what to do because you know we're we're smart we've done shit, but to have that a willingness the awareness and willingness to admit that
1: seemed like a really big step so talk us through what you did yeah, so this was in my, my previous company that I founded called upstream. And uh, we did a major shift in uh, what we sold, we basically made our resellers into our customers. And we were selling them a, a new type of platform for I, automate automation, so that they could basically change their business model was, was we, what we were really selling, not just a product, but a product that allowed them to charge for IT, when IT works, instead of charging uh, when reactively fixing what, what breaks. Um, so in this whole journey with, with selling this product or solution and, and, and change, I, I hired a lot of salespeople when I wanted to scale this up and I just failed at it. So I was hiring and firing a lot. And uh, it was costing me a lot of money, it was Mm -hmm. costing me a lot of time. And I was frustrated. And I had to sort of sit down and and really give that a good think. Um, And that's where I every all the uh, evidence, (laughs) all the fingers that I saw were, were sort of pointing at me uh because i i mean it's easy to blame circumstances blame the recruiters blame the salespeople. totally and and of course i i I did that in the beginning i said i've been so unlucky i must have Hmm. hired the wrong people or hired the wrong recruiters but then i realized well actually i'm the problem because i was making decisions based on assumptions that i found out were were just plainly wrong Uh, so i i think the insight i had was not only was I the problem, but the deeper problem was assumptions that I was making about selling in general, and and then salespeople. Yeah, that was a pretty uh, painful, I guess, insight because I had to I couldn't just continue doing what I was doing. I had to do something quite differently, and that ended up in me trying to figure out how we can codify behaviors, how we can help salespeople and managers. Do the right things at the right time with the right people etc etc
0: that's brilliant and in, in terms of accompanying that change that you did did you have to do something with your team that was different did you have to almost codify your change of behavior with
1: in the next steps talk us mm-hmm. through that piece yeah yeah, definitely. I, I was I was trying to find a gap between what I was doing, and I actually had my youngest brother uh, uh, employed or engaged in the company at that time, and he was brilliant. He he could sell uh, these solutions uh, in a great way. I was able to do so as well, but the salespeople weren't. So we were trying to find the gap there. I mean, what are we doing that makes this work compared to what they are doing that uh, does not uh, work? And by doing so, I found that there were some things that, that were very obvious, and one of those were was that in, a, in order to sell the product, you had to engage all the people at the customer' side who were going to get affected by that change and, and in the beginning we didn 't really, really realize how big of a change that was. Uh, so we were pitching it uh, as if you do this, if you invest in this platform, you automate a lot of the work you're doing manually, you're gonna be more profitable. And that resonates of course with a uh, company owner, leader, CEO, sales sales leader, etc. But the tech people got really afraid because they, they were thinking, oh, okay, leadership is gonna invest in automation, so I'm gonna lose my job. And unless you really handle that well, and embrace that sort of fear and tackle that fear and talk to these technical people in their language. The deals were dead in the water. Uh, so that was one of those gaps that I found. We were, my brother and I, were talk, were engaging the tech people in a way that made them comfortable that the change was not going to l- lead to them losing their jobs, but actually was was going to lead to them getting a more fun job because they don't no longer had to do those boring tasks
2: mm-hmm.
1: that the computers and the automation system could do for them but the the tech uh, the people we didn't teach them or and coach them and provide them with the the tools and resources they needed to have those dialogues so they just ignored the tech people like i don't feel comfortable talking to them the tech guys are so weird uh, i have no idea how to have a conversation with them uh, and they even lied, like to us. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've talked to them, uh, but they hadn't. So, so I actually one of the the codified ideas I had early on was just to pinpoint this particular problem. Like, if we mm-hmm. can just solve this, if we can make sure that we always are having these discussions in a good way, that's going to make a big difference. So, we we really honed in on that, uh, and that really helped.
0: One of the narratives that was running through my mind when you talk about you and your brother being able to 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 do it but the hired salespeople being less effective speaks to as you use the word engagement and and the the willingness to learn what you need to learn to do whatever it takes to get the the deal done of course there's the paycheck and motivations and incentives that you you do and and you kind of think, well, if I give them an extra hundred kroner, then they're going to, you know, sell more. And, and you, you link that down and that will to a degree work. But the the willingness and that engagement, the energy comes from you and your brother incarnating your initiative somehow. And, and so the question I have, which is something that you full on address within the book, which is the notion of purpose and that commitment to the idea, where you're, 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 you're full in, Mm -hmm. you, you, you've, you're, you're prepared to cut blood and make this happen, because you are committed to the big idea. So really, maybe the the, respond to that. And then I'll talk Mm -hmm. about purpose afterwards.
1: Yes, that's a good point. We were at the point we, uh, this happens that this was, I think, 2006. It's a long time now ago, mm-hmm. but we saw ourselves as being at the forefront of helping these companies move from being break-fix IT resellers to becoming managed service providers, which was sort of the term that we wanted them to embrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we led this change and we we were almost like, um, what's the word? Yeah, ambassadors or uh, what was Jesus called? He was a, uh, someone who stands and and, and talks about something a new. proselytizer. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, profits, I mean, we were we were sort of relaying this new idea, right? And, and we we I think that was uh, one a big purpose that we found purpose in that. Like we're changing yeah. an industry. It's more than just selling a product. Um, but I think the the salespeople might not have. We have, and I shouldn't say the sales people, because it sounds like I'm, I'm uh, making excuses. We didn't get them maybe full on to buy into that because mm-hmm. um, we were maybe talking too much about the product and how mm-hmm. fantastic the product was and how it could automate stuff, uh, which probably led to them talking too much about the product and too little yeah. about this transformation mm-hmm. into another business model, which was the real uh, thing we were, were selling. Uh,
0: that's marvelous. I think that's a, that's a big profit, a big, big purpose. And I, and I love the fact that you can explicit that because so often when I'm talking about purpose, it always seems to have to be about saving Africa or doing big humanitarian things.
2: Mm.
0: And, and purpose doesn't have to be that big. Transforming an industry, which can be, for example, uh, needle makers or whatever, Mm -hmm and turning needle makers into uh, the tapestry of sewing mm-hmm. or something like that. All of a sudden you're helping people sew better around the world. Oh, that's a bigger deal than just selling another bunny needle. Mm. How good is your needle? Will it pricks, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's I I, so I love that kind of purpose, George. It really, mm. really speaks to me. And now you've, you're on another mission. Yes. Um, so, Talk us through your your new idea, uh, you know, not new, because you've been doing it for now for a while. Yeah. But it seems to me with regard to customer relationship management, uh-huh. CRM, yeah. you have another purpose, another mission.
1: Yes, I, I did land in this when, when we uh, came to that conclusion that we needed to to uh, really guide the salespeople in a different way and codify how they needed to in, engage with, with customers. Uh, of course, the tool salespeople use is usually the CRM system, as you uh, as you mentioned, and and we were using one at the time that was just not good uh, to for that purpose to to guide salespeople. It, it's really a, a tool, and it still is, which is why I'm I find the mission we're on now is to be so so engaging. It's more of a tool to log what you've done, right? You you assume that the salesperson know knows what to do and they should just log what they've done so we can see if they've done enough and then bash them on, on their head if they haven't so it's really a managerial data tool uh, and that that struck me as a big problem back then so i went to other crm vendors and said hey really i want more i need more than than a database i need something that drives behaviors i need something that elevates my salespeople. i need something that i can look at to coach my salespeople to know who needs help about what and when. And they just looked at me like in a a strange way, saying, well, you know, I mean, eh, we haven't really thought about it like that, uh, but you can always customize uh, our CRM. Just bring in a system integrator and they'll help you with that. And being in software- cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, yeah, cha-ching, cha-ching. I knew that's like digging a big hole and you throw all your money into it. And as soon as they make a big update, it all breaks, uh, and then I was I, I engaged a lot with other sales uh, leaders, company founders, in different networks, and uh, her, uh, sort of started asking around, like, how are you doing these things? Have you moved into a more complex sales environment where these things are problematic, and how you sell becomes very important? And they were all saying the same things. Yeah, that's th- we're in the same boat. We're, we're, do- we're seeing the same things. It's challenging, and uh, so what tooling do you have? And everyone's like, yeah, we're using the CRM. Oh, is that helpful? No, it's not. But that's that's what we've got, uh, and we've d- we've done some tweaking and, and etc. So I really came ba- to this conclusion of of uh, changing this uh, already back mm-hmm. then. But it took me a few years to to sort of dive in and, and create a company based on this. So Now we're we're doing um we're we're building this new type of product. And I didn't want to use the word CRM for so many years, but that's what people have. That's the sort of uh, box people have in their head when they think about salespeople and a system. Oh, the CRM. So we've built a CRM, but we've put on top of the CRM, if we sort of look at CRM just as a database, all the workflows. Like, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to do it in an efficient and effective way that also help the managers to be able to coach and help and support? So it's really we're trying to put the how to sell into a system and we're not trying to do do it ourselves because I don't believe that a system is going to help salespeople elevate to the next level by itself. We also need skills, coaching, uh, strategies, uh, and, and for that we need sales development experts, sales trainers, sales consultants, management consultants. So we're teaming up with them and and building sort of a network of experts who can then provide the strategies, provide the, the skills development, provide the coaching and use the system we're building to make that happen in, in daily operations. And And the mission is to elevate the sales profession because I think selling has a lot of work has a lot of improvements uh, that have has to happen to to it it's a fascinating thing you you write or you say
0: in your book at one point that the sales métier is one of the last professions not to be updated or it's been a long time since it's gone through an update and and it's true that you i still have in my mind very much that image of that secondhand car dealer type salesperson who is scurrying around full of good energy and intention, going after the bonus and and selling in no matter what, because that's what they've been told to do. Like a bull in a China shop is, you, you just forgot to tell them not to, you know, don't don't run over the China. Oh, oh okay. So they, they're not equipped. And, and then when you look at, at the way people recruit, typically, in sales in particular, well, must have industry experience. So the question I have for you, and you can even look at it with regard to your own team, but with regard to this whole process, how do you hire the right salespeople?
2: Mm.
0: How do you identify them? Because if, yeah. if you're not looking for people with experience, because you know they know the industry inside out, all right, that's one type of skill, one type of knowledge, sorry. The question then becomes that if they're from without the industry, mm. then what are you looking
1: for? You mm. have to tie it back to the way your buyers buy and how you need to sort of align to that to help them buy, which is selling. I mean, selling is helping someone come to a decision that includes and benefits both you and them uh, and if you're and, and this is one of the big insights as well um, is it selling is not selling right people talk about selling as if if it's one type of thing and selling a used car or chewing gum is very different from selling a an airplane right so it's it's very it's it's, it's sort of a uh, the complexities on a, on a, on a large scale um, and and that's what I think people, uh, miss that they they believe and we have assumption that sellers are in a particular way like they are hungry they're competitive they won't take no for an answer they can sell snow to eskimos you know all these yeah pretty dumb ideas we have about selling because in a complex sales environment where you're selling something that is maybe tailored to the buyer it's a, it, it, maybe even a service you can't see anything you can't touch anything you have to convince the buyer that you're the one that's going to help them get to that that next level you need other traits right you need someone who can really understand that client and maybe industry expertise is is super critical for that but maybe it's not maybe it's easily taught how the industry works uh, and what's more important might be that you are a very uh, intelligent person that can find solutions to problems that that customers have, and and you can relate to people in a way, and you can you can organize and structure uh, uh, almost like a, a conductor how this decision making path will will happen. Uh, so depending on the type of complexity, I think you have to really understand that well before you know who you can recruit, and that's where I think a lot of uh, leaders. Um, uh, yeah, make mistakes because we we try to find this, we have this incorrect image of a salesperson. Well,
0: I can certainly speak from the small experience I had. Well, at least my well, small because it was very specific, which is selling shampoos to hairdressers. And you don't need experience in that. Sure, you just, you need to learn about chemicals and how they impact the hair. And some of them do have, you know, real allergies and issues. But for the rest, it really is about humanity. And I think that especially in B2B relationships, the the notion of trust at a human to human level is is vital. And of course you can sort of know the industry and you can know some of the codes and language. Hmm. But trust goes deeper than that and and so often just being able to sort of move into that other profile, what we're looking for. you, you said the word intelligence challenges, that's a very, you know, wide concept, and you can be intelligent in certain areas and not others. But finding a an attitude that has that conductor attitude, which includes the fact that I may not know everything, mm-hmm. which conductors are not known for. Right. So the conductor is sort of the, the, ch- the chief and knows how to play the viola, the violin, the tuba, the bassoon kind of feeling because that's what he or she is managing everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: At some level, I think that you also need to be able to say, I don't know this, how can I go get that information to compensate for me? How can I collaborate and, and not come off as a know-it-all? Yeah. And then I'm more in a solution-based mind with regard to my client, because yeah. they're trying to do, uh, which is what I think you're up to, which is change. You're mm-hmm. bringing in a system that actually fundamentally is designed to change the way they operate.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So the transformation you have, is because of the tool, but in order for the tool to work, they need to change. So that requires a deep amount of trust and relationship with you or the individual who's selling it in to want to listen to your advice and then go seek the way that you're gonna to have to adapt to get that sales tool to work.
1: It's interesting uh, when you were talking about trust and, and I, I am a strong believer in, in that. My, I, I wrote about my little framework that I have in my mind called Trust, Align, Grow. I think you have to have that foundation of trust and then you have to be able to align with each other. Like if you're in a relationship and the, the, the other person doesn't wanna have children and that's your biggest dream in life, you're not in alignment, so you'll better get into alignment or maybe go separate ways. And the same in business, right? If, if, if I cannot help you, With what you're trying to accomplish when i should just walk away and maybe recommend my competitor who can help you but if but i i think it's it's a difficult thing with trust in the times we're living in because everything is moving so quickly and we we have our attention spans spans are just shrinking all the time so people just want to fix their problem in the shortest amount of time possible. So I find it to be kind of a problem for us humans today that sometimes we don't take the time needed to really think about things. and uh, We just go fix it in the easiest poss- possible way, um, which probably leads to the problem not being fixed. It leads to another problem. And then w- we fix that in a quick way, and all of a sudden we have a... a Uh, you just made the whole problem bigger, because we don't just slow down, think and maybe build these relationships on based on trust. Because I think buyers are also treating sellers in a way sometimes, and maybe sellers have their themselves to blame, uh, because we have this, you know, used car salesmen who have treated buyers poorly. But sometimes buyers also treat sellers poorly in a way that is not justified mm. um you they scout for pricing they don't go deep enough they set criterias that are not in their best interest and not willing to to listen to other to insights that sellers may uh, may come with um for different reasons so I, i'm seeing and the whole you know the quarterly economy we're living in everything is is so short-sighted uh that i'm a bit f- frustrated with that. I must say it's, it's get, it's become more difficult from my view and my perception to, to build these relationships, uh, based on trust, because sometimes there's just no time nor perceived time, uh, to go there. It's like, just give me, say what you have, give me your prize and I'm, I'm going to move on with my life.
0: One of the things that you mentioned, and I really latched onto it because I found it quite powerful. George, was when you say or ask the question, will my customers be willing to pay for the advice that my sales team is providing? So that's just forget about the product I'm selling, but is the manner in which I deliver advice, the surround sound service to the product, is that payable? Is it something that's so valuable value added? So in other words, we're not just flogging features and benefits. We're really into the mode of being in your shoes and helping you with the integration and the success towards your targets i mean because that's valuable mm-hmm. i thought that was a, a a great statement of course the challenge is making that come alive any ideas tips hints as to making that hmm.
1: it, it, it uh, gets me thinking of a, a call i had the other week with a fellow swedish entrepreneur uh, who scaled his company quickly, uh, and brought in a lot of VC money, and they scaled uh, in the US a lot. And um, and they just of course did it's that. not called Spotify, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's another story. But these guys made it uh, sold B two B, so it was it was pretty hands on selling, right? They had salespeople visiting customers or, and calling on customers. But uh, if you if you hire a few hundred salespeople at one just instantly in a very short time frame Um, he he shared the the story how they were before this happened they were always the vendor who came to a customer and and shared new insights they were so knowledgeable uh, about their niche market and and the product they were providing Uh, and and they had almost this idea like and the quote you mentioned there is is actually not mine it's from neil rackham who wrote spin selling uh, and and uh, so they had latched on to that idea that if we leave the meeting, I, we don't care if the customer buys our product or not, but they should be thinking, wow, this this was a great meeting. I learned something from this meeting. It wasn't just a sales meeting. But when they started recruiting hundreds of salespeople and, and, and weren't maybe as thorough with the onboarding that they had been in the past, uh, he would get calls saying, I just met one of your sales guys and it was it was not a pleasant meeting it was i mean they just wanted to pitch me something and i they didn't even know my business they didn't ask there were any questions they were just running into a pitch what's ha- what's happened mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so definitely think we have to sales people uh, if we're in a complex b2b sale and there is room for taking such a sort of a consultative approach to, to be that consultant that provides value. And uh, that's, that's hard, that, that's hard. And it, it, it requires work and it requires each salesperson to be so, sort of elevate their game and go a lot beyond or just pitching a product. Uh, but I think that's the right mindset to have.
0: It strikes me that a fundamental to your approach, George, is machine and human because you just can't have an ai do everything and and the idea before is that you were sort of making a human do everything and just logging it before mm-hmm. now we're sort of at the same at the coal mine together mm-hmm. and the machine is informing me helping me in the how of the sales so it's this combination that could hopefully augment Average salespeople, because if you can move the average up, as you talk about in your book, a lot about the different profiles of salespeople, if you can help on average move it up, then the question becomes aligning to what you're promising,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because if you promise the moon and you get little, you know, fireworks, yeah, nice, but not not good enough. We it's not the moon, like you were right. just talking about in your example.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and and, I, and that's why the 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 product is called membrane, because it's like, you got the memory part, you have, you need the database, but you, where's the brain? I mean, where's the intelligence? Where's the guidance? Where's the Sherpa that guides me towards my goals? Uh, and, and I, I love AI, I love technology. And, uh, but I think if you look at selling a lot of sales teams, aren't even doing the basic stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how do you prepare for a meeting? how do you do research what questions it was what's your messaging what's your positioning you know basic things that a company should have figured out isn't always done correctly so the the person who codifies your way of selling is usually a human right and and once so that human puts the way of selling in to the system and then the system can help guide people through that and then get provide you with insights how oh, this is working, or this is not working, why are we why are we not meeting with a CFO early on, if that doubles our win rate, let's put that into the codification of, of our selling. And and you just con- continually improve and iterate uh, how you go about selling, it should be a process, but it hasn't been in the past, it's been sort of, well, you hire the right person who was a born salesperson and, and off they go and, and you become successful. <laughs>
0: So somewhere it feels for me that you, with the idea of purpose in the process, try to make sure that the salesperson always has an eye on the purpose, it, and that needs to be reiterated. Sometimes integrated into the pitch, but not too much because then you can get the situation that you just had before a little bit, where mm. this great cons- you know the consultants come in, but they're not so consultancy mm. anymore. I wanted to get in the last few moments that we have together I wanted to talk about a fact that you in your book you you write a lot about the medical profession, which I found rather interesting and you you cite Atul Gawande, who wrote Being Mortal, a book I think that everybody should read as they face uh, the you know the, the departure of their parents. Um, I think it's a, a very interesting book about mortality. But you so you talk a lot about the medical business, and you you even put together pilot surgeons and salespeople. So I was just wondering what was inside George's mind, as he uh, you know does he had a father that was a, a doctor? How did the medical profession <laughs> become so present? That was the feeling that I had. That was the filter that Minter took away from listening to your book.
1: Okay, yeah, it, it was actually the uh, the book the Checklist Manifesto, that Otto Guandy wrote. Uh, which I found to be so relevant for, for the sales profession as well. And he, he communicates in that book or he writes about how he and his team were approached to figure out a way to reduce the complications after surgery, because a lot of people die or get crippled. And they realized that usually it's because of human error They someone makes a mistake, um. And and he was trying to figure out how to solve that. And and the first sort of reaction was, well, they need more training, but they, they realized that sal- surgeons <laughs> are usually quite well-trained and they have a lot of experience. So it's more mistakes and sloppiness and, and procedures and processes that don't work. So they went out to look at other professions. So they went to the pilots and, and found how they use checklists and construction and in the construction industry, you do the same. And they brought that back to surgeons saying, hey, let's introduce a checklist to reduce uh, complications. And everyone's like, no way. I've been a surgeon for 25 need- years. I don't need a checklist, et cetera, et cetera. So that was how I came sort of to that um, analogy in sales. that If, if you do a, a surgery on a person who's lying there, they're lying still on the table, uh, and it takes an hour, and, and you've been trained to do it well, you've done it a 100 times, that's maybe easier in a way than to sell something in, in B2B with a sales cycle of nine months, and you have to engage, I don't know, 10 different stakeholders, maybe on different continents, and get them all to agree on, on, on something. But the salespeople, they just, they're just assumed to go about that and I know what to do and with whom. Uh, so so, so intru- I introduced this metaphor or analogy to basically lower the guard uh, for, for salespeople and sales managers who also think well i don't need no checklist i have been a salesperson for i know my thing it's like no you don't because it's i can't even go grocery shopping without a checklist i'm gonna forget the milk and i'm gonna be sent back to the store because my wife is going to be upset so how are you supposed to know everything you're going to do in a nine month project with all these people involved it's just open up to the idea that you might need assistance
0: so I couldn't help but think about my father um, and hopefully I'll get him to listen to this one. The, he ran a hospital for 30 years and he was also a pilot and uh, also <laughs> was a salesperson in his past. And, right. um, and here's the thing, he, a tool Gawande could have taken uh, from the pilots because at the end of my father's checklist, we'd uh, get a, he'd get us Jepson, which is the basically the, the maps And at the bottom of the checklist was, kiss the co-pilot, if appropriate. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think that would be a a winner, a winner (laughs) for getting checklists to be acceptable. (laughs) Right? Kiss the customer. Yeah. It's, it's well, cool, yeah. yeah, I'm reading a new book about love in the workplace, and you know, it's, it's, it's a tricky space. I want to finish on the one uh, last uh, thing which you talked about, which I thought was really charming and, and useful, which is this the power of beauty and enjoyment. And tell us why you wrote that. because in a, in a CRM, a customer sales, you know, AI machines, beauty and enjoyment, really?
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I've, I've always loved beautiful things. Uh, and uh, I just felt that in, in technology, it's not been really embraced. That changed with Steve Jobs and the iPhone. And he really did, did a lot to change that, I think, and we were in a better place now than we were 10 20 years ago. But these CRM systems are just horrible, or the ERP, you know, where you create invoices, and I mean, they're even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh it's not something you wanna you, you feel happy uh, when you log on to. And that's, I think that's a part of why a lot of salespeople hate their CRMs because they're just ugly and uh, they're in your way. They're sort of, oh, I have to go do something in my system but I have to click 14 times to get there and it opens 14 different windows and I just can get confused. Also there's, there's a, just lists everywhere and text is fine. And as a coder, I think that, Programmers who might have been a bit too involved in designing these systems—they wanted, you know, I, I want a fact. I want the facts. Give me, give me the list. I love lists. Whereas a salesperson or someone who's trying to accomplish something with a client, I think, might resonate more with the visuals. So, how can we make these tools more visual and beautiful, and and have? People actually want to log on to their system in the morning and see what's there and and make that a pleasant experience. And and that's a big challenge, of course, uh, because it is in part data we're working with here. Uh, So we have to have the data piece, memory piece, but also the brain piece and how to interweave these and how to put also skills development, training. I'm a big believer that we have to sort of learn in the process of working. Uh, So we put a lot of um, like training content inside of workflows that also needs to look good. Like, oh, here's a video that explains to me how I should be talking to those tech people that I hate to talk to. That's neat. That's, I wanna see that. Now I I grew a little bit by the way the system is designed. So yeah, I I do think we um, need to put a lot of loving uh, into how we design things
0: and which of course dovetails absolutely into my book in artificial empathy i talk about empathy not just in how to deal with a customer but even in the the way you brief the coder and that empathy is something that is fluid needs to be fluid and consistent somehow with what you're trying to do at the end and, and having empathy to think about the salesperson's journey, their stresses, their realities, maybe they're not geeks, maybe they don't like to read lists. And how do you use that empathy to make for a better system? George, we could clearly have gone on for a few more hours. Um, in the interest of uh, time, we have to close, I'm afraid. So tell, tell us how people can come up, uh, understand membrane. How is it? B R A N E or B R A I N. Tell us uh, how yeah, to track like, it down. Yeah, like
1: the brain in our inside of our heads. So B M E right. M B R A I N. Dot com. So go. I, I I write a blog and it's called the art and science of complex Sales. And uh, you can find that on memory.com slash blog. So please su- subscribe to that. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn. Quite uh, active there, and I have a strange last name. So. I'm easy to Well, it, it, it's <laughs> sort of
0: easy if you don't worry about the accent on the E. Bronteen, Bronten. Yeah. B-R-O-N-T-E-N. I'll put all those in the show notes. George, Thank thanks for coming on the show. Good luck continuing to change this beautiful sales uh, profession that we have all been participating in. And uh, look forward to staying in touch. Me too. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minta Dialogue show you find the show notes and other blog posts on Minterdial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
2: Oh, no. To- strong with challenge. i know soon we all die i like the feel of a stranger tucked around me precipitating the danger to feel free trusting my reason